This podcast contains discussion of suicide. Listener discretion is advised. This is Anthems. Hi, I'm Jen Moss, an aspiring memoir and comedy writer currently on day 117 of my social isolation, coming to you from the duvet fort in my living room. Your word of the day is crafting. My trimester plus long social isolation isn't a result of some prescient ability to see a COVID-19 riddled future, but rather a result of my debilitating grief after the love of my life ended his on the 14th of August of last year. After initially finding great comfort in my friends and family, as I myself became overwhelmed with suicidal feelings, I lost my ability to connect to the world around me and the people within it. I battened down the hatches and holed myself up in the one-bedroom flat we shared in southwest London. I didn't even know there was a pandemic going on until early March, when I decided I might attempt some form of re-entry into society and signed up for a comedy writing class, which of course was immediately cancelled when the country went on lockdown. Being a 37-year-old suicide widow is a surreal experience. Being a 37-year-old suicide widow grieving against the backdrop of a global pandemic? Now that's a whole new level of batshit. So how does one make sense of the nonsensical? Well, if you're a nerd like me, with a good old pros and cons list. Pro, my newly adopted recluse lifestyle. When the country went on lockdown, I was already living my best Miss Havisham life, so it made very little difference to my daily routine. I already was only leaving the house for an hour at a time and only in my local neighbourhood. I didn't have to learn how to cope with social isolation. I've been coping for the better part of 15 weeks. I am a black belt in solitude. Con. Now that I'm not allowed to go out, I've started wanting to. The coziness of my safe haven is starting to feel a little suffocating. I've been living with my partner's boxes and boxes of stuff out of storage since October, and where previously these haven't bothered me in the slightest, it suddenly feels ever so slightly like I'm being sealed into a cardboard tomb. I'd also just made a couple of new friends on my comedy course and had just started wanting to go out with them. Pro. Everything getting cancelled. An extra layer of suffering I've had to endure has been having to watch from the sidelines as the world kept on keeping on. I'm a pop culture vulture, so for me, every cinema trip, every gig, every show and every festival that I missed out on were like so many little reminders of the life I was missing out on. But I don't have to worry about that anymore. Better yet, with the entertainment industry adapting to the new normal, many of these things have gone online, so I can still be a part of the conversation. Con. The realisation that with all this going on, As a person without a person, I am no one's priority. The sadly very common phenomenon of grief ghosting, i.e. when the initial well-wishes and people declaring their undying love and support slowly disappear, has been amplified now that the world is on fire. 
Intellectually and rationally, I don't begrudge anyone looking out for number one, now that we're all living in the upside down, but emotionally, it's pretty soul-crushing. Pro. Finding a new tribe. With an inability to relate to the people in my life and my therapist politely turning down my request of BFFdom, I joined an online young widow support group and found there a community of like-minded souls brought together by the worst circumstances imaginable. These people got me. It continues to be a huge source of comfort, having a place to cry and bitch, a place to be seen and heard, without people trying to fix the unfixable. Recently, I've been finding the same on Twitter of all places, as I've been making friends and sharing experiences with people who know all too well about loss and mental anguish. Sadly, a club with an ever-increasing number of members. Con. Not having the one person who could make it all better. I'm so grateful he's not having to live through all this. His illness would make him high risk and his anxiety would be spiralling out of control. But selfishly, I wish he were here. Selfishly, I wish he could hold me. I wish I could bury my head in his chest, his arms wrapped tight around me, his lips pressed against the top of my head with a kiss so reassuring the outside world itself would cease to exist. This pandemic doesn't make me miss my love any more or any less. I miss him with every breath I take, but it has given me a reason to try and live without him. I feel like the world has pressed pause and I can finally breathe again. I'm no longer stressing about an uncertain future I never asked for, because now everyone else feels the same way too. Pro. An unexpected saviour. Therapy, support groups and writing have all been invaluable tools to my recovery these past few months, and yet I may have actually found my salvation in the most surprising of places. A Netflix documentary about a polyamorous, meth-riddled gay feline owner, come country western singer, come presidential candidate, come attempted murderer. I am obsessed and desperate to talk about these abject weirdos with big cat dick energy. I've finally found something I can use to relate to people again. Crafting, from the verb to craft, whereby a person is able to cry and laugh at the same time. If you've been affected by the themes in this podcast, check out the episode description for information, resources and support lines.